and welcome to the Hoops Redondos Podcast. I'm Adam Schell. Today, we're talking about the DePaul Bolivians with Lawrence Kramer. Lawrence is the editor-in-chief at the DePaulia, the greatest student newspaper in the United States. Not close. Lawrence, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Adam? Adam, thanks for having me on. Oh, appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm living the dream out here in Fargo. It's a little cold, but the Blue Demons are hot. And, uh, you know... I was I was driving covering some high school hoops the other day, and believe it or not, six seventy the score comes in crystal clear in Fargo, North Dakota, somehow. And so uh, I had the DePaul Louisville game on, and I was like, "Whoa, are we going to beat Louisville?" Because <laughs> I'm extremely suspicious at this point. I've been hurt before, and I'm kind of at this point as a Blue Demon alumni and a fan where I'm like, all right, I'll believe it when I see it, but that's a big statement win. So let's start there. We just knocked off the Cardinals. Yeah, it was, it was the first, you know, signature win of the Tony Stubblefield era, obviously he's in his first year at DePaul after getting hired to take over from Dave Leto back in April. Um, you know, they, they got off to a good start, but they, you know, heading into that Louisville game, they were seven and one coming off a loss to Loyola last Saturday. Um, they were still searching for that first, you know, kind of signature win. Before that, it was kind of you know, the best w- win on the record, I guess, was Rutgers, who, you know, only qualifies as a Q4 win. So that Louisville win is obviously goes well for the resume. Um, they were down nine twice in the game. And, you know, you know, in past years, you know, those DePaul teams would probably wouldn't have come back, let alone once, you know, you know, make that twice they came back in the game. And then obviously were able to seal the deal at the end. Um, but it's a very impressive win to do it on the road. Uh, with the with the new head coach, new coaching staff, you know, virtually you know new roster, um, and kind of their you know their best player, Javon Freeman Liberty, only scoring um, eight points, having a really poor shooting night. They got it done, you know, with, with strong defense. You know, David Jones had a really solid game, so it's a really positive sign to see them go on their on the road for the first time this season and pick up a a really big win uh, against a you know a decent Louisville squad. They're not you know of the, the Louisville squad of old, but it's still a, a really good win um, for, for the Tony Stubblefield's team. Yeah, just to beat a big program. That's something that has happened here and there. You know, like the Blue Demons beat Kansas a few years ago. Uh, geez, that was probably like six years ago now. Uh, th- they've had some good wins. They'll beat Marquette every now and then, but it's a, it's a really good sign. Uh, they'd be undefeated if not for a pretty tight game against Loyola too. What did you see in that one? Yeah, that was a, you know, a back and forth game. DePaul got off to a really poor start. They were down 15, you know, inside the first nine minutes. Then they found themselves back in the game. They, you know, they took a six point lead into halftime and it looked like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a really competitive game in the second half. DePaul, you know, show, you know, playing pretty well against a really good Loyola squad. And then, you know, Loyola's experience kind of, you know, playing in big games, you know, Lucas Williamson has been there since, their final four run, they just have had a little bit more experience and kind of they, they have a clear identity of how they wanted to play. And they, they came back in the second half, played much better defense against the Paul and um, came out with a four point victory. But uh, overall, I was pretty impressed in, in that game, considering it was, it was really the first test for Tony Stubblefield because that game came a couple of days before the Louisville game. Um, and I thought they played pretty well. They were down, you know, they're down 15 um, and they were able to come back. It was a, the environment at Winters was pretty great. There were a lot of Loyola fans, a lot of DePaul fans in attendance. So um, I thought the key for me after that game was, you know, K- 
can you take away those lessons that you learn and apply them into your next big game? And I thought they did that very well against Louisville was, you know, they played solid defense. Um, and then they, you know, they executed down the stretch. And I, I think that's been the biggest criticism of past DePaul teams is, okay, they've been close, you know, previously, you know, they've had close games in the Big East, close games in the non-conference, but then they always find a way to lose. Um, and they did, you know, they found a way to win on Friday. So I think that's a positive sign for, for this team moving forward. There's a few different ways we can go off that. It actually brings uh, three different questions to mind. So uh, the first one, you mentioned that that was a test. Did they pass it in your eyes? The Louisville game? Uh, the uh, Loyola game. You said that was the first real test. They lost the game. Yeah. But it sounds like you saw a lot of positives as well, especially when you compare to years past. Yeah, I, I think... You know, I think overall they did well against a really tough opponent. I mean, Loyola is considered one of the best, you know, defensive teams in the nation. And I think it's also important to remember, you know, yeah, yeah, Drew Valentine is a first-year head coach, but you know, he was, you know, Porter Moser's assistant coach for a long time. And they brought back a lot of players from last year's team, and they have a lot of veterans on this on this roster who've been with the program for a long time. So they have Loyola has a culture, they have an identity, they know how they want to play. DePaul is, you know, still building that, you know. I think they they know how they want to play. They have an they they know what their identity should be, but it's going to take more than you know seven or eight games to build that and to establish that. Um, and I thought, look, I think in in previous years, if DePaul went down fifteen to a quality opponent, there's no way they're coming back. Um, but I think that speaks to the coaching. I think that speaks to the character of this team. Um, so I think overall they did they played pretty well against Loyola and. Look, they they were never going to go undefeated. So it's better that they lose to a team like Loyola, which, you know, doesn't really hurt the resume than if they lost to I don't know, you know, Western Illinois or right. Duquesne or UIC in non-conference. So and then it, you know, like I mentioned previously, it's how do you apply those lessons you learned from the Loyola game to to the next you know big game you play? So then they play Louisville a couple of days later on the road, and I thought overall they played with much more physicality. Their defense was much more improved. They limited uh, Louisville to, you know, only seven made three-pointers. Um, and then offensively, they executed when they needed to make those big plays. They didn't have a great shooting night as a team, but David Jones carried, carried the torch when they needed it. So I think um, that's a really good thing to see is they have a couple of players that they can rely on. You know, Freeman Liberty has been really good this year. He didn't have a great game on Friday night against Louisville. So David Jones steps up and fills that spot for him. So it's just, it's seeing the kind of the growth of this team as we get closer and closer to conference play. Yeah, that's definitely encouraging. And, you know, it's kind of weird to say because Louisville's a team with a lot of history. They're historically pretty darn good every year. But if you look at the Ken Palm rankings right now, Loyola Chicago is 23. Loyola is 44. DePaul's still climbing up. They're still way down at 88, but the Loyola game is a harder game by the numbers, by the advanced metrics than the Louisville one. So it, it's kind of interesting to see that. Uh, the next area I want to go into is the Wintrust. So, so just for some context, my senior year at DePaul was the last year at Rosemont. Mm -hmm. And so it was really challenging for me as a student journalist, you got to hop on the bus or you got to, uh, you know, if you're lucky, maybe one of your friends has a car and you get down there, uh, but you got to get down there. You got to get prepared. Obviously, we got to get there early. 
And it was hard to get butts and seats. People didn't want to make that commute. And recently I had Andre Brown on the pod and, you know, he talked about how they used to put a lot of butts, butts and seats there, but they had a good program at the time, but it seemed to get worse and worse. And then my senior year, I did a story on the wind trust and I was actually at center court, what would be center court. And it's all just dirt. And my whole angle on that story was that this represents a recruiting weapon. This represents a big opportunity to keep players in the city. And it represents perhaps at best a new chapter for Blue Demon basketball as they look to kind of get out of the basement and return to relevance and then hopefully uh, get to a point where they can be competitive again. Now, I know that that first year, uh, Hami Arrain did a very good report on how it didn't really have an effect on attendance, but you said it was rocking uh, recently for that Loyola game. And so what are you seeing as far as a home court advantage? Is there a home court advantage? What's up with the wind trust so far? And how does that, uh, how is that different from how it's been years past? Yeah, I think overall, it's still, you know, it's still not close to being, you know, at capacity, it's, you know, the Leola game, they reported things at 6,600 6, people as the report attendance. So that doesn't mean actually, you know, 6,600 people showed up. That's just how many people bought the tickets. So, you know, I, th- I think overall, like, you know, this is an easy point to make, but if, if you have a winning program that's constantly proving that they can win, people are going to show up. It doesn't matter, you know, what the conditions are. It's, people are going to want to watch a winner. And I think until DePaul establishes itself as a consistent winner, people aren't going to, you know, you're not going to get eight, 9,000 people out to Wintrust on a consistent basis, especially against weak non-conference opposition. Um, and the numbers will, will improve in Big East play, obviously, when you get the teams like Villanova and Marquette and Butler to town. But that's going to be because people want to watch Villanova and Butler and Marquette, and they have a big alumni base here. The, the big deal is, and the big question is, how do you attract more fans to watch DePaul play and, and support DePaul because they want to watch the program? I mean, I think that's the biggest issue facing this athletic department department right now is how do we bridge that gap? Right now, kind of the, the average for the non-conference play has been, if you take away the Loyola game, it's been between like two and 3,000 for reported attendance. And that's that's not even close to being half full at Wintrust. Wintrust, I believe, gets close to 11,000 as, as full capacity. Um, so I think until this program can establish that it's a, it can consistently win, especially in the Big East, you're going to continue to see the low attendance numbers because there's, you know, Chicago has a lot of sports teams and Wintrust is not on campus. So students still, still have to get on the train. They still have to take a bus. It's still not a, a reasonable commute. It's better than what it was to Allstate, but um you have to give people a reason to go. And I think right now people are still, there's not enough belief yet that this program is is back to where it once was. And I think that's a fair, fair point. Okay. So they're much like me saying, all right, I want to see it. You got to prove it to me first yeah. before I'm going to make that uh, ticket purchase. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So Dave Lato, the era is over. It was Lato 2.0 and my judgment of Leto was essentially that he seemed like a good guy. He 
was big on accountability. It seemed like he struggled to make adjustments. It seemed like once DePaul found themselves in a hole, it was really hard for them to get out of, as you kind of alluded to as well. And I was also very concerned with the turnover, not just turnovers, but the turnover of players, people coming in and then leaving uh, Stubfield very early in his tenure with the Paul, but it seems like the culture's starting to change and that doesn't happen overnight. But what have you seen so far as the torch has been passed? We have a new athletic department staff. We have a new coach and we're hoping to turn the page. What have you seen? Well, I think that the last point you brought up is with the new athletic director. That's the key. Kind of making that change and, and hiring someone who was a basketball mind and Dwayne Peavy coming over from Kentucky worked closely with John Calipari and their men's basketball program. So he knows what a winning and successful men's basketball program looks like. And that was the issue at DePaul. Obviously, you know, for close to two decades, this program has not made the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think now with the new athletic director coming in, establishing kind of what his culture looks like and and hiring an, a, a men's basketball coach that that has experience on, on a bench. He knows he's a good recruiter. He knows what a successful program looks like coming over from Oregon. I think that those two things mesh well together into kind of rebuilding this program again um, and establishing a winning culture. And I think that's the key. Like you can have, right, DePaul was 12 and one two years ago, right? They were, they seemed like they were turning a corner. Yeah. But there was no Texas Tech, was it? Yeah, that was the big win, obviously. And then they won three and 15 in the Big East. But, you know, the big issue for me that year was, you know, they were, they were eventually going to start losing again, right? They were never going to go undefeated in the Big East or go 15 and three, right? So when you have those losing moments, those losing stretches, how do you overcome those? And DePaul, because Lado and, and the former athletic director never established a winning culture, they kind of just, you know, they faltered in the Big East. But once, once things got hard, they never found a way to overcome those, those issues. And I think this year we're seeing, look, it's still early, right? We still haven't entered the Big East play, and that's going to be they the biggest. They could still totally blow it. Yeah, they could still, you know, go 2-18 and 18 in the Big East this year and they finish last place, and everything we're talking about won't matter in, in March. But I think we're seeing a, a process with this, right? They're not, they're not rushing it. They know it's going to take time. They're not going to go from last place in the Big East to competing for a Big East title. That's, I, I think everyone in the world would be shocked if that happened. But it... There's, there, you have to build those, those stepping blocks. You have to build a winning program by, by holding your players accountable, by holding yourself accountable every day. Um, and I think overall we're seeing that through the nine games where they're making steady progress. Um, and the interesting part, again, I think is will be how do they handle the Big East play early on? Can they get some wins in the first five, six games? They can't start 0-5 or 1-4 or whatever it is they've done in the past you got to have some momentum early on in the season. And then once those tough stretches coming up, come along, the key is going to be how do you handle it? And if they're, they can prove they can handle it well and be better on the other, on the other side of it, um, then I think they'll be better for it this year. And then moving forward, when Stubblefield gets his recruits in there and has a chance to get more of his players um, into the program. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it would be great. You know, anything about – his recruiting, uh, in particular, has he been able to have much success in the Chicago area? Yeah, he's he's done some recruiting in Chicago before he's talked about. 
but he has a really good track record of recruiting players from the junior level. Okay. Um, so he, he recruited a couple of players this year. Um, Philmon Geberwit is from a junior college. Um, they're going after, they, they were able to land another player um, for next year from a junior college. So he has a really good track record back in his days from Oregon with landing those players. And then it's also his development of players. He's, he's helped recruit a lot of really good players to Oregon, but he, then he's also done a good job of making sure they're good college players and then getting them to the NBA level. You know, Chris Duarte is one that sticks out. He's currently with the Pacers. He was a stubble field recruit to Oregon. Good to know. Um, so, and then overall this year, they only had one returning starter from last year. A lot of players entered the transfer portal. Um, Romeo Weems left for the NBA draft. So there was a lot of roster turnover. And overall, he's done a good job of kind of finding the right pieces and blending this team together. And they're, I think another point to make is they're still missing three key players for this team. Ahmed Bynum is still not eligible by the NCAA. Um, Javon Johnson is a transfer transfer from Iowa State, and he has to finish up fall semester over there before he can come over and play at DePaul. And then Tyne Grant Foster, who's a transfer from Kansas, started the first game, but then had a medical emergency happen um, at halftime during that first that season open against Coppin State. So we haven't seen him since then. So um, right, right now they're really playing with only seven or eight players. So they're not even at full capacity. Um, so do you know when uh, Grant Foster might be able to make his return? They haven't said anything. Um, they, they've kept it undisclosed in terms of his medical situation. So um, there's really no update in terms of when we might see him again. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, coaches have every reason to play that close to the chest. I think there's always some gamesmanship there, you know, like yeah. they don't want the other coaches knowing. And as a member of the media, I totally, sure, it makes my job harder, but I respect it. I see yeah. what they're doing. You know, if you want to be Belichickian about it, yeah, don't tell me anything because that's yeah. going to get back to the other coach and then yeah. uh, it's going to make it easier to scout and prepare. And so uh, you want to do everything in your power to make uh, your program as mysterious as it can be. Obviously, everyone looks at the tape. Uh, so it's very interesting. DePaul's got UIC next, then Northwestern. Both these are road games. UIC... Not exactly a powerhouse. No. Northwestern, kind of this scrappy, really well-coached team. Uh, Chris Collins was in the conversation as a Duke replacement. It looks like that's going to be John Shire when Coach K is done. Uh, but very well-coached team. What do you think we're going to see over the course of the, these next two games? And how important is that for the Blue Demons? The UIC game, I fully expect the ball to win. Uh, UIC, I think, only has two wins this year. Um, it, I don't think it really matters that's on the road. I, I, I really, you know, no offense to USC, but I don't expect this to really be kind of a, a home game for USC. I think, if anything, DePaul fans should be able to kind of show up for that game. Okay. Um, but it's kind of, I think it's still qualifies as a trap game because it's sandwiched in between that Louisville win and then the rivalry game against Northwestern um, this upcoming Saturday. So, you, you know, you got to make sure you take care of your business tomorrow night against USC and then the Northwestern game is, you know, is another big one. It's um, obviously on the road. The Paul beat them two years ago when they got off that 12 and one start. So, you know, Northwestern is kind of looking for their revenge. Northwestern is also a quality team this year. Like you mentioned, Chris Collins um, kind of on the hot seat coming into this year. There's some question marks about if he doesn't perform well and the, if the Wildcats can't make the tournament, will, will he be back for next year? 
but they're off to a strong start. And it's a, it's a big game for them. They don't have many quality wins this year. Um, so it's a, it's a good opportunity for both teams to, to pick up one more decent win before conference play kick, kicks off. Um, and DePaul's, you know, they play Northwestern next Saturday and then they have Creighton at home two days later. So it's not like the schedule is going to ease up after that. Um, then they get Seton Hall three days later. So it's, there's a lot of big games coming up. So it's, we're really going to find out how good this team is because um, the first month of the season, they really got kind of a, a lot of freebies against a lot of non-Power 5 schools. Now we're seeing how, how good this program can be this year. Yeah, and that's how it goes. And it, it kind of gave fans a lot of false hope a lot of years because they would beat the bums, and you should beat the bums. Mm-hmm. The Blue Demons are in the Big East. But do they deserve to be there? That's to be determined because they haven't proven anything there. They were no. a great Conference USA team, but – they're yet to take that step forward that the Golden Eagles did. Granted, we haven't had our Dwayne Wade, you know, Uh, but what's that going to take for DePaul to have a successful in-conference schedule against what's really a gauntlet of opponents? You have some of the best basketball programs in the country all in this conference. Yeah, the Big East is is absolutely loaded this year. It's one of the two best conferences um, in America, I think, this year. Look, I think their, their, their floor is still bottom of the conference, right? Until they prove that, they, that they're better than that, everyone's still going to say, well, okay, DePaul's still the worst team in the conference. And I think that's a fair thing for people to say because we've seen it for a lot of years now where they get off to decent starts. Two years ago, obviously, like we talked about, off to a good start, and then they finished last again in the Big East. So um, I do expect this year that they, that they can improve on that. I, don't, I think they can finish better than 11th in the conference. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they do well against kind of the Georgetowns, the, the Butlers of the world, who are similar to them, um, or kind of expected to finish around that same spot. Um, and then, you know, once you get to play the, the likes of Villanova and UConn and Seen Hall, who are expected to be the top three in the conference, how well can you perform against them? Um, and I think, look, they get 20 games in the Big East now. It's up from 18 with the addition of UConn. So... I, I don't know. I don't want to put a win total out there because I, you know, again, I thought two years ago that they would win more than three games in the Big East. And then so did we all. <laughs> so, look, I, if if they can beat, you know, Georgetown and Butler four times, well, that's more than three wins two years ago. So that's already an improvement. Um, but I also don't think Georgetown and Butler are very good this year. So I don't think you should be comparing them to that. Um, so I, I really can't put a, a win total out there until we really see how they do in the first couple of weeks of the Big East season. All right. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. We'll start to wrap it up a little bit here. What have you enjoyed the most about covering this year's team? I just really like talking to, look, I enjoy, I've enjoyed talking to the players and the coaches in the past. I really respect all the time that they've given me, all the time they give to the media. Um, but it's kind of, it's a new team. It's a new coaching staff. So there's a lot of different angles to this program now right past couple of years with Lado it's been kind of the same the same stories right especially once we get into the Big East but this year it's it's the unknown it's like how well are they going to do in November and October when we were preparing for the season we didn't know really anything about Tony Stubblefield as a coach as a head coach we didn't really know how well this team is going to gel together and it's been interesting to see kind of their growth from game to game Um, so I, I really enjoy talking and interviewing Stubblefield at press conferences, uh, talking to the players, 
they, they provide a lot of really good insight into, into the matches, into how well they're performing. Um, so it's been, it's really been an enjoyable season so far um, in terms of getting to know this new DePaul men's basketball team. And it sounds like there's still players who are yet to come in, but right now, who's the core of this team? What makes them tick? Uh, well, Javon Freeman Liberty is their, I still think their best player. Um, he didn't have a great game against Louisville, but um, he's been fantastic for every other game this season. He's uh, before the Louisville game, I think he was top five, top six in the nation in scoring per game. Um, and then the likes of David Jones, I think is a really solid player. He's going to, I think he's going to continue to get better. He's only a, technically he's a sophomore, but he enrolled early last, last January. So this is really his first year, first year he's gone at DePaul with an off season, everything like that. Um, and Nick Agenda is, is a junior and I, I think he's gotten better with every season. I think he's also gotten much better uh, the last couple of weeks after kind of a, a slow start. So um, there's a lot of really good players on this team. Um, it's just kind of meshing them all together and finding the right uh, rotation as we get as we get into the January and February months. Excellent. Excellent indeed. All right. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to add? No, that I mean, I think we touched upon a lot of a lot of the things um just i think we're all just looking forward to how this team performs in conference play that's the biggest question mark uh, they got to get past the northwestern game if they right. can if they can win that game and i fully expect them to beat usc then they go into conference play at 10 and 1 um and obviously the two years ago we saw the rank DePaul movement on twitter yeah i fully expect that to kind of continue to pick up steam and buzz if they they're 10 and 1 after next saturday don't necessarily think they would be ranked, uh, but they might receive votes in the AP poll next Monday. Um, but if they can beat Crane and Seen Hall after that, then they'll definitely be ranked two week, from two weeks on. So Yeah, I, I definitely want to see them beat, like if they had beaten Loyola, that's a team, you know, 23 in Ken Palm. That's something where like, okay, maybe it's time to rank these guys. But right now I'm no. still, like this is me being optimistic. Yeah. This is me saying, okay, maybe, it, it has changed. And frankly, if it was still uh, Ponsetto and Leto, I wouldn't care. Yeah. I wouldn't care because I've seen the movie before. Yeah. But, I think that's, or, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's the biggest thing for people is if this was the old administration, this is the old head coach, there wouldn't be as much attention or there wouldn't be as much buzz from the fans. And it's gotten some attention from the national media now by, by this team. But because Dwayne Peavy is the new athletic director and Tony Stubblefield is the new head coach, there is some like, okay, maybe this time it is going to be different. Maybe there is something that's happening at Lincoln Park that's worth watching. Um, that's the beauty of this game is, you you know, we'll, we'll eventually find out. And it's not, you know, we don't have to wait two, three years until we know how good this team is going to be. You know, we're going to know in a couple of weeks how this iteration of this program is going to do this year. Yeah. And maybe we'll see in two or three years what Stubblefield Blue Demons really look like when he does. Yeah. I always say, you know, if you're cooking the meal, you got to pick your own groceries. So there's a bit of a timetable there. Some patience required as we see not just what he is now as a coach, but what he can put together. So I'm very optimistic. I'm very excited. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and chopping it up about the Blue Demons today. Where can everyone follow you on social media and where can they read your work? Yeah, so they can read my, my work on depauliaonline.com. That's obviously all where, where all my basketball stories go up and kind of other sports content. And 
um, any other general DePaul stories. And then on Twitter, I'm at, uh, you can follow me at uh, K-R-E-Y-M-E-8. Um, and that's where they can, uh, where the people can find me. All right, very good. And folks, student newspapers, don't underestimate them. In my experience, these guys usually actually have the best pulse on uh, college teams because they're right there. It's their main focus. Um, and because of that access, and it seems like DePaul's done a better job providing access for journalism students with the new AD as well. It, I, I think that it's, it's important not to underestimate these guys. Uh, they're out here grinding. They're still learning the craft, but it's, it's a hell of a program, uh, DePaul Journalism. Right now, DePaul Journalism has put more pros than uh, DePaul Basketball recently, too. And so <laughs> that, that should be, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm one of them, baby. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> you're representing us now in the, in the professional field. You're doing a great job. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure you will be soon as well. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking again soon when DePaul's making a run in the Big East. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Adam. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Hoops Dramas podcast. If you like the show, go ahead and give us a five-star ranking on Apple Podcasts. It does go a long way. As always, special shout-out to Evan Butris. He's our graphic designer. If you like the logo, slide into the DMs. He is the Wax Cowboy on Instagram. Uh, he's doing some great work out there in Colorado, and he's always happy to help if you're looking to get some work done. Thanks for joining us. Happy Hooping.